still hear some pages turning as you get there. Amen. New Living Translation reads this way. It says, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would happen. Come see where his body was lying. Verse 7, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. Uh, as you take your seat, I uh, want to retitle this message. The Holy Spirit gave to me my question of this. The question is, possess, uh, the question I also give to you, present to you as a subject matter title is, is, will you see him? Will you see him? He told Mary and Martha the angel, tell the disciples to go to Galilee and I will see you there. My question for you this morning is, will you see him? This cross he was led to was for our sake. He bore the shame and the punishment of the cross, not because he was guilty of the crime that they suggested, but because we were guilty of all the crimes. He bore pain and suffering, not because he was deciding that I must suffer and take pain because I'm guilty of crime. No, it was our chastisement. It was our sorrow. It was our punishment that was upon him. Isaiah 53 goes on to say that many looked upon him as though he was stricken by God. No, but it was a correction. No, it was for our sake that he was flogged and, and by his stripes we are made whole. Looking at this text, we find that they went to his tomb to look for him to find that he was not there. Then the angel told them where they could find him. I want us to celebrate on this Resurrection Sunday that even today, the Bible lets us know where we can find him. Question I want to ask again, will you see him? Because he made it clear where you can find me. He tells us where we can go. But my question this morning for you to ask for yourself, and you can hopefully you come to a conclusion and an answer before worship is over, that will you see him? That even the chief priests understood that if he was dead, we had nothing to worry about. How, how do we know that they did? They knew that if he was dead, there's nothing to worry about. Look what happened they, early in the 27th chapter. They, 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 they should have been resting on the Sabbath, but they were still up to no good. They went to say, hey, hey, we need to put some guards in front of that tomb because I heard, look what they call him, the deceiver say. Lord, have mercy. They, 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 they call truth deception. Mm. They call truth deception. But when Jesus was teaching them, he says, if God was your father, you'd be excited about the time. But he says, God is not your father. You are the sons of Satan. And he is the father of lies. So the father of lies have these liars lying on Jesus. 
saying the deceiver said that he would die and three days later he'll get up. So we need to put some guards there because his disciples might come and steal his body and go around telling everybody he's alive. And they went on to say that uh, this last deception will be worse than the first. Well, the problem is that neither one of them were deceptions. The disciples did finally go around and say that he is alive. But also, he also did get up on the third day on his own. He didn't need any disciples' help. He didn't need them to come and steal his body because his body was already gone. They came to an empty tomb. The thought that the death was the end of Christ. They also believed that if they could keep him in the tomb, they can prove that they killed who they thought was this leader, who they also condemned for saying that he was the son of God. The true deceivers were deceiving the people of telling them that he was not who he said he was. Even so, you can look that the deceivers also try to get people not to confess that he was Jesus, because if they did, they will kick them out of the fellowship. Mm. It's amazing how when people's lives don't work, they try to put fear in you. They lie on you, and then that don't work, then I put fear inside of you. Look how they thought they had Jesus. Jesus told them that they were going to kill him, and the sheep would, would scatter. Look how the disciples are hiding. They think the disciples are going to come and steal, but if you look, the disciples are scared. They all ran. When, when they came to get him, only John followed along. Peter cursed and denied him. The rest could not be found. And so yet, the, the, the chief priests and the Pharisees thought that maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the disciples might bone up and come and get him. But also listen to what Jesus tells the disciples in the midst of all this. Matthew 26, verses 30 and 32, he says this. You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Y'all see that right there? He let her know that, look here, I'm going to get struck down. I'm going to die. All y'all going to flee and run over. But that's all right. I'll see you later. He already foretold to them that I'm going to die, but I'm going to meet you in Galilee. He let them know that I'm going to die, but three days later I'm going to rise again. This is so puzzling to them because they weren't grasping, they weren't understanding about this resurrection. They weren't understanding when and how they were going to see him again. This resurrection concept was not new to them either. In the Gospel of John, Jesus speaking to Martha said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me believes in me and will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Now we see Mary's at the tomb wondering where he is. This resurrection was not new to them. But yet it was confusing to them. But the power of Christ's resurrection proves to us that his word is true. He told them, I will die. He told them, I will rise again. This is fulfilling his ministry that he was saying. So what does all this mean to us? 
But the power of his resurrection means this, that death has been defeated. Why, why does it matter about death? Well, when we often speak of death, we talk about how we miss somebody because they're no longer physically present with us. That's how we embrace and we understand and we grasp death when life is absent. But can I help you out with the theological understanding of death? That death is absence of God. That's what hell is. Hell, God's not in hell. Hell is where, check this out, you look in Revelation, we talked about it in Sunday school, that the last enemy defeated is death. Death is thrown in the eternal abyss along with the true deceiver, Satan, and all of his angels that fell down with him and all those whose names are not in the Lamb book of life. Shown to us that death is absence of God, and if we want to see Jesus, we must know him as King of kings, Lord of lords, and host of hosts. So what does the power of the resurrection mean again? It means this, that death has been defeated. So therefore, if death has been defeated, why do I need to fear death? This is why we fear death, because when we fear death, we fear what we don't know. Let me help somebody out. You don't need to know everything just to know that it's real. For example, I don't have to punch you in the face to find out if that's going to hurt or not. You already know somebody hits you is going to hurt. You don't need proof of it. Am I right about it? If you need proof, raise your hand. I'll, I'll be happy to demonstrate. So we understand certain things without somebody doing it to us. Jesus already let us know that if you want, in, in, if you want to inherit kingdom of God, you must be born again. Even Nicodemus had a hard time understanding. Said, "This don't make any sense, Jesus. I'm an old man. How I'm going to be born again? Going to climb up in my mother's womb?" See, he was limited with biology. But he says, you're speaking of physical things, and I'm speaking of heavenly things, spiritual things. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You must be born again. The power of the resurrection shows us that we can be born again. That's why we get excited that any man in Christ is a new creation. Y'all see that new part, right? All things old are passed away. All things become new. The power of the resurrection shows us that what was dead can become new. Oh, glory be to God. Think about how in our lives that we live a life full of death all around us. It's amazing just thinking about how many TV shows, how many movies are, are full of talking about dead folk walking. Got movies of, of, of Draculas, movies of zombies, movies of all these people that are dead, that can't be killed, but how come always at the end of the movie they die? But here we found that when Jesus speaks of resurrection, he speaks that those who rise will never die again. See, we, we know about Lazarus, but I want you to know Lazarus had another birthday and he had another funeral. He, he rose again just to die because that was just a physical resurrection. Jesus is demonstrating us a spiritual resurrection. A spiritual resurrection means this, that earth has no bound, has no hold on us, so therefore let me live in the spirit. Can I help somebody out about what's living in the spirit? Living in the spirit means no longer I try to satisfy my flesh. 
this flesh, this flesh, this body, this world is at odds against God. It's an enemy against God. That's why we like Romans 5 and it says, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Let me ask you a question. How many here will die for your enemy? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I get a lot of yes. It, it's hard enough for us to die for who we love. About who we love. Let alone we're going to die for somebody who's done us wrong, doesn't care for us, puts harm on us or harms our family. But yet Jesus says, I'll die for you while you are still my enemy. I, I want us to think about that for a moment. Just think about where was I an enemy of God? Sometimes when we think about being an enemy of God, we say, well, I'm not a murderer. I'm, I'm not a thief. Or, I don't covet. I, I haven't committed adultery. Well, just like Christ told that young man, well, you've done all things well. <laughs> Go sell all your stuff. But for us, let's look at this. That He says that when you've given to the least of these, you've done unto me. Since when you've clothed the naked, you fed the hungry, you visit me when I was in prison, you visit me when I am sick. Here's the challenge. Have you been doing that for the kingdom of God? Have you been a friend of the kingdom of God that when someone was sick, someone is ill, that you are serving them, you are ministering to them, you are caring for them, not because they could pay you back, not because it was your job, but because of the love of Christ that was in you, it moved you to do it. Because some of us think that we do things just because it makes us feel good. Can I help somebody out? You don't have to do everything just because it makes you feel good. There's going to be some times that you don't feel like doing it, but you're going to do it anyway. Because you're doing it for the glory of God. Tell the truth for us. How many of you have come home from work and it was your turn to make dinner for the family and you thought you were tired too? You said, I, I work too. Well, I got a slave over the oven and make some food. But you don't do it because it made you feel good. You're doing it because it's good to do. And when you do it, you feel better that you did what was right and not what was going to feel right. Because it would have feel good to lay down and go to sleep. So y'all and y'all, I don't care what you get. But the love that's in you from Christ moves you to do the things that you may not feel like doing. But glory be to God, you start finding power to start doing stuff. And then you do it well. Do you see here that they came to the tomb and they were concerned about seeing a dead body. But only to find an empty tomb. That proved that Christ said what he was going to do was going to come. Because of Christ's resurrection, they started understanding that he is more than what we thought he was. How many here have been have a testimony that God has shown you more than what you thought he was? You, you reached your limits and you thought you knew all that you knew about God. And then God went another way, and you were like, Lord, you're, so, you're, too, you're too awesome. You're, you're too amazing. That, that's what he does to us, because just when we think we have it figured out, God's going to show you, I can do beyond and above what you can ask or think or even imagine. This flesh is limited in all its capabilities. This flesh cannot inherit the heavens. And the, uh, I'm sorry, this flesh cannot inherit the heaven. That's why we must put on immortality. So, therefore, we take off this old flesh and the twinkling of an eye. We all shall be changed so that we can be with him. And this resurrection body of Christ, this resurrection body of Christ was different than ever, everybody. When you look at the resurrection accounts, it says that they were in a closed room. He appeared inside. 
and then he got left again, and he came back. First time he was there, it says Thomas was not there. Thomas says, well, I don't believe y'all that you saw my Savior. I'll believe it if I can see the nails in his hands. And, and listen to what he said, and put my hand in his side. Because y'all know he, they pierced him in the side. And, and so the time he came back and he saw him, he fell down on worship and surely you are. Surely you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus says, blessed are you for you have seen, but more blessed are those who have not seen. There goes again, remember I told you. You don't have to see it in order to believe it. Just trust his word. Because his word is true. His word is faithful. Jesus has already sown. He let them know. They're going to kill me. They're going to hand me over. They're going to flog me. But three days later, I will rise again. Here they are, feeling their hope was lost. Their hope has been defeated. Their hope died on the cross. Their hope was buried in a rich man's tomb. It wasn't his tomb. It was a borrowed tomb. This tomb was prepared for somebody else. But it was Jesus that was laid in that tomb. Can I help somebody out today? Do you understand that that cross was prepared for you? But it was Jesus that was nailed on the cross in your place. That grave should have been your grave, but it was Jesus buried in that grave for you. Do you understand that it was a substitution atonement, that he died in our place? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's why we get excited when it says that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In order for you to be in Christ Jesus, you need to be in his will. In order to be in his will, you need to know him for yourself. So if Christ is your hope and you're all in all, think about how the disciples felt when their hope was lost and their hope was gone. But yet he told them, I'll see you again. He told them where to go that I may see you. He tells them in 26, verse 32 again, but after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Do we not see that there in the text? The angel told Mary, he said, Mary, go tell the disciples that he is alive, he is risen, he will see them in Galilee. I want to tie up this message that you know that Jesus told us, as we can read it in the good old gospel of John, just like he told the disciples, that in my father's house, there's room with many mansions. And what I like about what he said is that I go to prepare a place for you. Once again, our Savior is going to beat us to the place that he wants to meet us. Why will he beat us to the place he wants to meet us? Well, did you catch it? He wants to meet us. Oh, glory. He wants to be there to welcome us into his kingdom. He wants to be there to be our host, to be to let us know that you are here in my kingdom. And he wants to show them to tell us some good things like, well done, my good and faithful. So anybody here want to hear well done? And, and, and that's what he's doing. He's showing us how we can meet him, how we can see him. He let us know where we can find him. Can I help somebody out? Where can you find you? You might have found him in that dark hour, in that dark time in your life. Your friends had left you. Mommy and dad was nowhere to be found. The doctor said he's, they'd done all they could do. The bank let you know, I don't know how you're going to get out. But all of a sudden, Jesus stepped in and gave you some hope. 
showed you that there's another way to get out the circumstance. You, it might have been that time that you came to the deepest part of your life that you didn't know which way to turn. You didn't know which way was up, which way was down. All you know that you were just sad and depressed. But you heard about a Savior that died in your place and rose from the grave. And you got excited and says, I want to know more about this Jesus. And, and when it pierced you in your hearts and you found him, you start saying, you know, I want to walk with him. I want to talk with him. I want to call him as my own. And, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe hope was lost in your life and hope was gone in your life. Someone told you that you have no more hope and no more this, but then you heard about hope. Because, you know, hope is a Christian understanding. Hope in Christian theology does not mean a wish or, or something might happen. Hope is an assurance that something will happen because my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I dare not touch the sweetest rain, but only lean on Jesus and all Christ. The solid rock I stand all of the ground. It's sinking sand. So when you found that hope, you started finding out that things started being more assured in your life because you stood on Christ a solid rock. So you had assurance in every step. Then you start saying, blessed assurance. <laughs> Jesus is mine. Oh, what a... You get excited. You see how everything starts changing when Jesus becomes the center. And then you get excited because you say, you know, one of these days, uh, Maranatha, Jesus, come quick. Because I want to see him. And when I see Jesus, hey, amen. When I see who died for me, hey, amen. The one who set me free, paid my penalty. He died. Y'all know he died. He died for me. Hey, amen. That's what we do. So where are you going to see him? Will you see him? Because you can see him now, and then you'll see him forevermore. We don't know what we may be, but we know we're going to be less like him. And we're going to be made in his image to say hallelujah. Forever after the old folks say forever hello <laughs> and never goodbye. Where there's always howdy, howdy. I'm going to scream and shout, and no one's there to what? Put me out. Will you see him? Because if you see him now, you'll see him fully forever. But will you see him? Because he's, let, he's made it clear where you can find him. You can find him at the cross. And at the cross, you can lay your burdens down. And at the cross, you can find remission for your sins. At the cross, you can find you'll be set free. From whoever says you can't make it, whoever says you're bound, or whoever says you're no good, Christ says, I made you. And I made you for good work. It's by grace you have been saved, by faith, not by works, so that no man can boast. Will you see him? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we come. Lord, we come to you right now, O oh God. Realizing, Lord, that we could not save ourselves. We could not work it out ourselves. We could not redeem ourselves. But, Lord, we thank you, O oh God, that it wasn't up to us, but it was up to your Son, our Lord our Savior. And Father, Lord, we thank you for the blood that was shed to set us free. Now, Father, we come right now as your humble servants. 
willing to lay our lives down and live for you. Father, move in this place. Continue to minister to our hearts. Keep us near you, O God, as you will draw nigh unto us, that we will walk by faith and not by sight, trusting you in every step of the way, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. We want to stay in the hand.